Hi, this is Matt Kempel, co-owner of Milwaukee's premier live comedy spot, The Laughing Tap, and founder of the Milwaukee Comedy Festival. It seems you guys really like that last set. Let's see if we can keep the applause going and get the guys and their guests to give us a part two to the interview. I think they're coming out. Here they are. Show them your love, people. It's season six of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. It is Chris Beyer, as always, with Jim Martin. Jim, how are you doing tonight? Hi, Chris. Don't ever ask me that question again. I'm doing yeah. fine. Okay, I'll tell you what I'm not doing fine. That's what you told me once. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sticking to that like, like glue with that one. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, we decided to record on the night of a Packers game on Monday Night Football here. That was uh, silly to do. I mean, well, uh, for us, it probably doesn't make a difference. But for our guest, it might. Yep. Yeah. Our guest is a Wisconsin guy as well. Uh, and he was last week's podcast guest, if you heard the first part of this and second part of this uh, interview. Our guest is Rob Brackenridge. Hello, Rob. All right. Hi. Yeah, welcome back again to the second half of the podcast. You are a Packer fan, right? Yep, and I, I'll be watching the game. I mean, we have DVRs these days. So. You're right up there in the heart of uh, Packer country, Appleton. You grew up in that area. How, yeah. cra- how crazy is that area for the Packers? It's well, it's crazy. It's crazy all over Wisconsin, I think. And actually yeah. all over the world. There's there's Packer fans. I've seen like in Los Angeles, there was a Packer bar that I'd go to every week. But uh, here they're just nuts about it. You know, it's it's just insane. It, I love it. I, I get to go to a couple of games a year because my buddy's mom died and you know, left him right. the tickets. That's the, so. that's the only way you're going to get tickets out here. Anyway, this all ties into the topic of this half hour, which is. Your your act your act is very Wisconsin centric, very Midwest centric. Is that kind of was that by design? Did you fall into it? Uh, am I am I right in saying that a lot of your comedy is Midwest yes. Wisconsin centric? Well, yeah, people know me as the Erno guy, you know, because I <laughs> I was like one of the first ones to point out that we say Erno after every sentence. And when I first moved to Los Angeles, I denied that I had an accent because I didn't want to be the guy. And I would call up people to get work and I would say, hi, this is Rob Brackenridge. They go, oh, Ram Brackenridge. And I said, no, <laughs> I just said Rob Brackenridge. Rob Bra- <laughs> and I, I, then I realized to them, it sounds like I'm saying Ram Brackenridge. <laughs> like the, the way we say the word bag, B-A-G. Right. Like big. Where's my big? Mm-hmm. You know? I, and I was saying that to the people in Los Angeles. Wait, hey, where's my big? And they're like, it's not pronounced big. It's pronounced bag. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I dig to differ. <laughs> <laughs> Chris had a little bit of an issue. I remember he went to New York once uh, with the band back in high school. And he went to, I thought it was McDonald's, maybe not. Yeah. But uh, you were ordering breakfast, something for breakfast, and you ordered milk. Yeah. And the person there corrected no. you. They said, you mean milk? He said, milk. And they, he said, Give me milk. He said, look, I'm from the dairy state. Like, I know how to say the word. You're saying it wrong. I've, I am the dairy state. I must yeah. be saying it right. Yeah. yeah we say M E L K. Yeah. Milk. Well, let me ask you this. The, the focus on Wisconsin, did that come as a deliberate thing on your part? Or were you picking it up on that from the audience where you found they responded to that aspect of your set better? So you expanded it or was it deliberate? Yeah, it it was kind of a, a gradual realization that that is me. 
I was in denial. I wanted, I think most comedians, when they start, they emulate other comedians. I, I love George Carlin and uh, Robert Klein and, and people that I would, and I would try to do comedy the way I thought a comedian should do it. And then as I, as I progressed and started writing more and more uh, personal stuff, I realized that my accent is the first thing that people really kind of hear when I go out there, they're like, it, it, it hits you right off the bat. So if I was trying to be a really cool guy from New York, I can't talk like this, you know? Oh. <laughs> and uh, so I, I knew I couldn't be, you know, I, I, I slowly became myself and myself as a guy that just has a nasally accent and talk and, then uh, I had a, a manager that told me that I should be the Wisconsin guy. Uh, and I started doing that, uh, following the manager's uh, direction, you know, to try to get into festivals and things like that. And I was hoping maybe like sitcoms and things like that. So I was trying to fit into a niche and then it kind of melded in with my standup and it's, it, it kind of organically became, I became the Wisconsin guy. I did it. Did you feel pigeonholed after a while, or is it something that you you uh, grew to grew to like? I think I I did I at the beginning I didn't want to be pigeonholed because I didn't want I didn't see myself as who I really am. I don't think any of us really see ourselves as who we are. But once I realized I'm kind of a dorky guy from Wisconsin, it works a lot better if I go with that on stage rather than thinking that I'm a, I'm a cool cool guy you know in in my head i was like this cool guy but uh in reality i'm kind of a dork you know <laughs> and it and it yeah. works better if you are honest when you're on stage honesty is the best thing yeah so yeah i you know i i accepted it and uh i'm happy that i'm happy that it worked out the way it did oh for sure yeah sort of embrace it do you, do you ever amp it up People will come up to me and they'll either really love the fact that I do the accent or they'll say that I'm I'm terrible for doing this accent because I'm I'm making fun of people, you know, in Wisconsin. I shouldn't I shouldn't be making fun of people that are illiterate and don't know how to talk. Yeah. (laughs) But it's not illiterate. It's a different it's like instead of ebonics, it's Wisconics. It's the way we talk. Like you know, you guys coming with or no, you you know, you, you just it's it's the my fishing buddy Todd. He's he's the guy that I I model all everything after. Mm-hmm. So he's the guy that talks like you know someone kicked him in the throat a long time ago, and he's you know and everything's like that. Uh, and it's to me it was so it was so funny. And then I realized that I'm actually becoming that guy as I the more I do my my act, the more I I listen I listen back to it, and I'm I'm talking like Todd now, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Not hiding it at all. Sure. From the stuff that I've watched, you seem to be a quote unquote clean comic. Right? Would you consider yourself a clean comic? I yes, and that's how I get corporate work. You know, I do uh, this time of year. I do a lot of corporate shows. I just did one in in Minneapolis last week, and some of them. I mean, I I'm not the cleanest of all the clean because sometimes they really want you to be. I mean, extremely clean, and that I don't do well with those crowds. But in this day of PC comedy where every, I, you know, to tell you the truth, anything that's funny is going to be offensive to someone somewhere. Right. Yeah. If it's funny, that's just the nature of being funny. It's going to be offensive to someone. And right. uh, sometimes I do the, I did last two weeks ago, I did a, a corporate gig here in Appleton and, and uh, 
she was like, oh, I hope, I hope you're not, you know, you're not dirty. I hope you don't say any, uh, the F word and don't say any swear words. And, and I was just, I was put on edge and I didn't really have a very good show, hmm. yeah. you know, and you I, know, you're, you're filtering everything. You got to make sure that, okay, I got to make sure I said, at least that's what I would think. That's my yep. guess. And I, I would have to just, even if it had something slightly to do with sex, I would have to say, uh, instead of a sexy accent, I'd have to say a romantic accent. It, get, it gets like that. That's mm. mm-hmm. nitpicky. Mm-hmm. And then right. you don't, you're not even supposed to talk like that. Then the, then the following week, I go, I go up to the guy and I said, do you have any restrictions? And he's like, screw, you know, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to get along great then. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. we got and, restrictions here, Rob. So you just, we're, we're going to cut this whole you out. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can, can clear that it. with us first. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, now me and Jim have just visited two of our local comedy establishments down here in Milwaukee, the Laughing Tap and the Improv in Brookfield. Have you played either of those? Uh, let's see. Brookfield. I, oh, that's the Improv. No, I haven't improv. worked either one of those yet. Those are still fairly new clubs, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yep, they are. Yep. Yeah, they used to have uh, – Milwaukee had a, a comedy club for many years. I can't yep. – do you remember the name of it? Comedy Cafe. Cafe, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. That one I, I did, worked every once in a while. Uh, that had a really – that was a really strange place to work because the guy that owned that, he pretended – he thought he was in the mafia. Okay. <laughs> he would always be like talking like this. And you're from Wisconsin. Yeah, I know I'm from Wisconsin. He, and he was like pretending he was from New York and you'd go to get your – paycheck and he'd have a gun sitting there on the desk (laughs) everything's intimidating you do know you're in wisconsin right yeah Yeah. right right (laughs) but i have to work those new clubs i'd love to work those new clubs so put a word in for me yeah you know we uh we just uh talked to the owner matt kimple is the owner of laughing tap well co-owner and uh and we've we know him. I mean, I'll, I'll say we know him pretty well. I mean, to a certain extent, he's been on the show a couple of times. And I met him at a donut shop down the street. He lives down the street from us. Cool. So, uh, so yeah, that, yeah. I, I think it'd be really cool to have you. I saw that you are. I was going to wait till the end for this, but I saw that you're in Shorewood in February. Yeah. Um, I was. Yeah. I, I, we think it'd be cool to. It'd be cool to come meet you and see the show and everything. Yeah. Oh, it'd be, it'd be great. great. Yeah. What yeah. is that? That's uh, January. Where is it, Jim? Oh, February. Yeah. I'm not sure. I just saw Shorewood on the, on the schedule. Do you know what Shorewood. the name of the club is, Rob? The 16th. Yep. I just have on my book, I just have Shorewood, Illinois, but I bet it's on my website. I bet I, uh, on uh, robbreckenridge.com, I bet I wrote it down. Are you Did sure? you say Shorewood, Illinois? There might be a Shorewood, Illinois. There might be. Maybe. Oh, okay. it is Shorewood, Illinois. Oh, yeah, it okay. is. Oh, curses. Well, even right. so, oh, I think, yeah. But I, I will the, be in Janesville. Is that close enough? That's, that's, that's about an hour away. It's not bad. Closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll talk to, to, we'll talk to Matt so we don't have to drive too much. We'll get you on local <laughs> here. That's right. Good incentive for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As far as uh, being the, the Wisconsin comic, the, the Wisconsin comic, and this might be us being elitist here. I think I hear more of a Wisconsin accent on you being up in a couple hundred miles north of us than Milwaukee. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think we sound similar to you, or do you think we? Have I think the same Milwaukee. Accent? Nope, the Milwaukee people don't have it as, and that's where I get most of my uh, dissension. Most of the people that don't yeah. like, they they get mad at me because they say, "Nope, you're that's you're making Wisconsin people sound like hicks." But the farther up north you go, the more they talk like that, you know, the more oh, there's yeah. yet you doing that yet, or you you know, yeah. yep, you guys. Right. Uh, do you guys have 
Do you guys have bubblers up there? Do you talk about bubblers? Yep, bubblers are, you know, and a, a bidet is a bubbler for your butt. That's what we say, <laughs> a butt bubbler. <laughs> does does bubbler come into your act at all? That's what I, yeah, I do oh, talk oh, about. Okay. Uh, it comes in, I, I talk about all the little Wisconsin sayings that we have and stop and go lights, you know. And everyone, yeah, right. <laughs> everyone else calls them stop lights, but that's just, they, they focus on the negative. You know? yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, one of the acts that I've seen on, on your thing here was at the place called the Dry Bar. Where's that located? Dry Bar is in Provo, Utah. Okay. Uh, is it dry? Is it non-alcoholic? Dry. There's no alcohol. Well, you know, the, it's, I think the whole state of Utah is pretty, right. it's pretty, because I, I had to fly in there to do that. And uh, they, that was one where they gave me a video of what not to say. They, you had to be oh. completely clean on that one. That's <laughs> when I, I learned to not say romantic instead of sexy and stuff like that i they taught me how to uh be really clean you know and Mm -hmm. it's and i did the best i mean i really am proud of that the dry bar comedy uh special i did called uh rob breckenridge legendary and dairy is spelled (laughs) d-a-i-r-y yeah that is probably my favorite uh little you know 25 minute set that i've done and that's the one that i get a lot of corporate work from too because uh, there's no swearing in it, but I was performing for the Mormons, and yeah. uh, they they didn't have any alcohol and no swearing and stuff, and they still it was a great crowd. Yeah, know? I was going to say they they uh, they loved your show. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I uh, yep. I see maybe it's you know just YouTube the algorithm feeds you, and once you see one dry bar thing, you see other. I've seen a number of dry bar comedians, and it's it's usually very good. Yeah. They they vet them, you know. There's you can't just get on there. You have to. Uh, it, there's a friend of mine, Brad Upton, that did it, and he has got over like six million. I think it's it's way above six million now, but the views that he got and it, that sent him right off the charts, and now he can he works all the time now because of the dry bar thing. Nice, mm-hmm. but how, how do you feel about? putting a lot of your material online. So it's just free. Do you have any concerns that people aren't going to come and see the show then, or, or like they're kind of getting it all online or. Any that's of that? Yep. That's a really good question because when I first started out, I, I didn't want anything online. You know, I didn't want anything to be recorded because I thought it could be stolen. And as I got older and older and I, you know, I, I realized that the only way I'm, I'm going to get my material out there is to have hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people seeing it. And if you put it out there, you basically are giving it up for grabs. And I've seen there's other famous, more famous comedians that have used my lines, you know, and I hear it's so weird that I hear my lines coming out of another person's mouth. But once you put it out there, you're it's out there, you know, and you you can't there's nothing you can do about it. So I I stopped worrying about that. And I just know that I'm prolific and I'll keep writing and and you know, if they steal it, they steal it. But you're you're not going to get very far if you steal in this business. Yeah. But, but the upside, obviously, is what you said, which is right. Sometimes you blow up because of something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So the reason I ask is we had another uh, comedian on our, our show who's really kind of he's I mean he's been doing it for a little while, but he's he's really kind of starting out basically. And and uh, and I said, you know, I was looking for some of your stuff, on, and I didn't see I haven't seen any. He said, Hey, I'm working on getting my hour of material. I'm not putting any of that out online because then, you know, then I got my hour and now I got to come up with more stuff. So I got, you know, cause I don't want people who come to the show to see the stuff online. And I was like, well, I mean, in my head, 
I, I kind of understand that, but at the same time, like I go to see, you know, music groups be, and I've heard all their music, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if they, if I don't know what kind of comedian you are or what your jokes are like, I'm not going to go see your show. You know, so at this point, like if, if somebody's coming to the comedy club, I'm going to research them and, and see some, do I even like this stuff? I'm not going to pay money to go see somebody just to take a, a crack at it, you know? So it, it surprised me a little bit, but that was his, his kind of feeling on it was, and he didn't necessarily talk about stealing it, which is, is something I hadn't even thought about, but yeah, he was just more concerned that he wasn't going to have enough material. So. It's true. People will come out and sometimes they want to hear bits that they heard online. If you watched my whole dry bar set, you'll probably have heard a couple of the the bits that I did, that I do, which either can be good or bad. Like if, if you don't mind hearing this, because when you're watching it live, it's a lot different from watching it on TV sure. or watching it on your phone. And, uh, there's a whole different vibe when people are just getting into the joke. And uh, even if you've heard it before, you get swept up in it and you laugh at it anyway. Yeah, yeah. that's Mm kind of what the guy Jim was talking about. His argument was essentially that music is different than comedy music. You, you like a song, you want to hear the song. His viewpoint was if you heard the joke, you don't want to hear the joke again, but you as a comedian, you probably want, you want them to hear new stuff, right? Yeah. Well, you want them to like the old stuff, but uh, not be mad that you're still doing the old stuff. You, and uh, a lot of times you can tell, you can tell if the crowd knows what you're about to say. I've been doing my or no bit for so long. If I say, you know, we say a lot of things that uh, that other people don't say. And then I'll hear someone shout out, or no! You know? yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah. Thanks for blowing the punchline. But yeah, uh, right. it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Jim and I were at a comedy club here recently. We mentioned before Brookfield uh, Improv. And there was this guy we saw that they really weaved his act into crowd work. And his whole thing was crowd work, almost uh, the entirety of it. But you could tell he was weaving in his act. How much crowd work do you tend to do? I actually have bits that I set up only for crowd work. You know, I I don't do... I. As I've gotten older, I do more and more crowd crowd work, but I, my hearing has kind of been going out lately. So uh, it's it's hard to do crowd work if you don't if you can't hear what they're saying. So I, if I do crowd work now, it has to be someone in the, close in the front row, and uh, I, I have bits that lead into it. Like I'm doing this bit about getting arrested for marijuana and I'll or and I'll, or getting a DWI, and I pour it to someone in the crowd, and I go, "Now you." you've been arrested, haven't you? You know, you, you look like a guy that's <laughs> been arrested. And then usually that, that, that can lead into, if he says, no, I have, I can go off on a tangent of that. If he says, yes, I can go on a, a really good tangent, you know, and find out what he got arrested for and, and do all that stuff. And it, that's what I, I live for those bits where I can just, I go, Oh, I mean, and I see before I even go on stage, I go, that's the guy I'm going to do the busted bit on. This is the guy <laughs> that's going to be the, uh, you know, the nerd or whatever. Right. Right. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Um, so are you, uh, now that you're back home, uh, you know, for a little while here, you picking up a lot of more new stuff, you know, a lot, a lot of things that you've, uh, yeah. you've seen from your buddy, a lot, a lot of new material coming out. I know you said it, you're writing all the time, but I would imagine being back around it. Uh, and I guess there's a question, right? When you're in LA for 23 years, do you start to kind of lose some of the, the feeling for that, uh, Wisconsin kind of atmosphere, or maybe you're probably coming back for, for holidays or stuff, but, but, you know, did you kind of lose that ever? 
Yeah, it's just in L.A. you don't have that many uh, any options. You don't have you can't get on stage that often. And when you do Los Angeles kind of jokes, you're talking about auditioning and, uh, you know, how how hard it is to get work and and things like that. And people you can't do that material in comedy clubs because no one really you, they wouldn't get the subtleties of auditioning jokes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So. I never really did a lot of stand up when I lived in Los Angeles. So, uh, okay. you know, it, I just, I do it all over the country and, uh, you know, I, is that, what, what was your question again? It was really just, did you kind of lose, uh, a little loose touch a little bit with the whole Wisconsin, uh, vibe or, you know, the, the way we talk and the little nuances and things like that. Did it, because I know, so a friend of mine moved to South Carolina. Suddenly she's got a little bit of a Southern accent, you know, right. did you kind of lose some of the Wisconsin? being No, away from I never Wisconsin? did. Okay. I never lost any of it mm-hmm. because I think I, I never really stayed in LA longer than three weeks because I had to make money. It's so expensive sure. to live there. I had, mm-hmm. and the only way I could make money was, and I never turned down work. I just, I, I just, uh, I, I always like working. If someone offers me something, I'll jump on a, a plane and, it's it's not good to live in Los Angeles and audition like a, you audition for a commercial and you have to make a call back the following week. And then you the following week, they, they decide whether they want you or not. And then the following week is when you shoot it. So you have to be there for a full month to just get one commercial. Mm, sure. And, you know, and then you can't make money just sitting there auditioning. So I I. uh I enjoy, I'd enjoyed all my time in Los Angeles, but I, it would have been a lot more useful if I had gotten a day job, you know, and, and, uh, it wasn't on the road as much, you know, like you always think if I could do it over again, I probably would have maybe just got a day job in Los Angeles and, and and did it that way. But then I wouldn't have all the material that I wrote while, you know, while you're on the road. Right. Because I do, whatever happens to me is what I, I now I write bits about living with my 92 year old mother, you know, I, and things like that yeah. and getting busted by the cops for things that are legal in Los Angeles is out in Wisconsin. The cops are so bored that they'll just bust you for everything. And, you know, and I got busted. I went up to a place called High Cliff Camping and yep. I got high. It mm-hmm. seemed to me. That's where you should go. You know? yeah, they tell you to do, right? It's right on the name. Yeah, it's, right. It says it right on the sign. Hi, yeah. Some DNR guy walks through and is like being busted by Barney Five. He's like, well, oh, listen here. I smell marijuana. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you got me. Ooh, okay. Genius. You know? uh, write me a ticket and let me have my night here. You know, and he's, no, I'm calling the cops. And he called the cops and there was three cop cars and six cops from Chilton so it was the biggest <laughs> drug and it was only one small little bag of pot and <laughs> the biggest drug thing they took me in and got me and took me into the they handcuffed me took me into the Chilton thing jail and then they, wow. they yeah and I got uh, five days I got sentenced to five days in jail and I thought oh great now I'm gonna get sexually violated by a guy named Verno and in New even Oven you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking five days in jail. You're thinking that's material. You know, I've got more material oh, yeah. coming. Yeah, you, you, I, yeah you probably but, said the. You said to him, 
give me two weeks. I need time to write this up. <laughs> I need more time. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't write enough in five days. But they, yeah. they ended up giving me just that little ankle thing, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. the ankle thing. So I got house arrest. So my mom became my cellmate, you know, there you go. <laughs> and she takes this thing real seriously. She's seen movies. She made a shiv out of a hairbrush, tried to shank me with it. You know, <laughs> wow. I, I look, mom, we got perfectly good knives in the kitchen. Yeah. I know, but this is how you do it. <laughs> or she probably know this. She could come down our way. We've got uh, the Bong Recreational Center not far from here. Yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> yeah. She would yeah, love that, that. That is a real park. Uh, what about, uh, you mentioned your mom being 90 uh, plus here. Has your crowd aged with you? Yes, they have. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good question. Because when I first started, they were all old people and I was trying to get trying to do jokes that made me uh, seem like I, you know, could identify with them and they could identify with me. But I was just a young, like a 25 year old guy that, you know, when you're 25, you think you own the world and everything. And uh, and I, so I saw as I got older, I, my crowds kind of, uh, now I'm trying to play to those 25 year olds that have the whole world on the string. And now I'm the old guy that's in the crowd. So I, I, it's turned, it's com- completely full circle. And now I'm trying to identify with those young people mm-hmm. being the old person. It's, it's just a, it's a weird thing that, that happened, but I, I could see it happen as it was happening, you know, cause I would do these sex jokes and they, they would laugh and laugh when I was young. And now I get older. I remember as about 45 and I tried to do a joke that I did when I was 25 and, there's this girl in the crowd that went, ew, that's like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always think that um, the point at which the point you the point at which you gotta just go away is when they say he's harmless. You want to have, have some little bit of harm, right? I want to be dangerous. I want to be a bad boy. Why can't yeah, I yeah. slap? Why can't I slap the hose? Like, yeah, yeah. rock, you know? <laughs> what about uh, cruise ships? It says you work cruise ships. Is that a, oh, yeah. is that a fun gig? Is that a tough gig? I don't think they're fun. I, I mean, There's guys that love them. There's, but I do love traveling, and I love uh, eating good food. Those, that's what I, I'll do, the cruise ships to do that. But I, I don't enjoy the crowds. They're not there to see comedy. They're there to see to, – they're there to eat and – complain you know and they're the toughest crowds cruise ships are the toughest crowds they're they they didn't go there to to see comedy so the the comedians that do best on cruise ships are ones that juggle or do magic because Mm. they can keep it actional and everything but if you're just a monologist like myself i remember i did one princess line i did we were in hawaii and uh the crowd was just so old. I don't think half of them had their hearing aids on. And and it was just the, it was the deadest crowd. And I, I came off the, it was my first show on this cruise. And, and the, it was an English guy that was the, the cruise director. And he was, is that what you do? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's what I did. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't do that every night. I don't get that kind of response, but that's what I did. And I said, you know, I'm like, well, can I, should I get ready for the next show or what? He goes, well, we'll have you do another show, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. It was just like, he was just used, he was used to people that, that did more actional things, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's, that's surprising to yeah. me because, because, I mean, I understand the older people maybe, yeah, but uh, 
most people, I think, to be on a cruise, they're just there to have a good time, you know? And, like, if they're going right. to see the show, they're just relaxed. You're going to have a good time and drink a little bit and, you know, have some fun. What the heck? Yep, you get a lot of people with their arms <laughs> crossed, like, I'm complaining yeah. about this and I'm going to get a free trip because he said the word poop. He said the word poop and I'm very offended by that, right, you know? Right. I'm yeah. going to get a free trip out of this because the guy said the word poop, you yeah. know? Yeah. It, now, obviously, in that business... In everybody's business, there's the tough days that you have where you think, you know, is am I in the right profession? But in comedy, the feedback is so visceral and it's right there, especially when it's not going well. How many days have you been up on stage thinking, this is my last day? I mean, that's had to happen <laughs> multiple times. It just happened last uh, two weeks ago when I was doing that uh, corporate gig here in Appleton. It it was a tough, it's a full hour and you look at your watch and it's only half an hour has gone by and you've already done all your material plus a couple of jokes, you know, and you're like, I still have to do another half hour in front of these people. (laughs) Then I think, oh, I'm too old for this. I'm just, sometimes I think I'm too old for it. But then you, then I have a show like I had last week where the guy is like, yeah, you know, and they're. They loved everything that I said, and and I they played along. I, I didn't even have to do hardly any material. I did a full hour for them, and I still had a good half hour material left. You know, yeah. Then those nights, I think I'm the best. I, I'm going to stay with this forever. You know, so it, it's it's an up and down ride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, uh, Rob, we want to thank you for being on our show. We had a lot of fun talking comedy. We've had Jim. What do you think? Four or five comedians on, or more, maybe now. Yeah, maybe more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've heard yeah, quite uh, a few. And it's fun talking to uh, talking to guys like you because this podcast, the original intent of the podcast was humor, and uh, this is a little bit more informational. And we want to kind of pick uh, pick your brain, pick the, our comedians' brains because that's kind of what we attempt to do on this podcast. On some of our ones where we uh, branch out a little bit more. And uh, you're you're going to be Midwest based from here on in. You don't see yourself going back to LA, do you? Not really. I I mean I still. One of my favorite things to do is audition. I, I got down. It's like an art, and I got I got pretty good at it. But uh, you really, if I if I hit it big, if I hit the lottery, I would move back to Los Angeles and still audition. I think because it's. But I just don't want to waste any more money on uh, the high rent out there. And out here, I I just enjoy the the crowds out here. So for stand up, I'd much rather be in the Midwest. For acting, I'd rather be out in L.A. Can we, as we've done with some of our other comedians, play little snippets of your comedy act in our podcast? Sure. Of course you can. Yes. Uh, And uh, I would play the snippets from uh, the Dry Bar special or my new uh, one off of uh, uh, Stand Up Journeyman's. That's that one's at the Meyer Theater. Okay. cool. All right, guys. All right. All right. Well, thanks again, Rob. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for having me. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast when we talk with comedian Jeremy Bent. But first, here's one last clip from Rob Brackenridge and his dry bar special. But you can see how the Wisconsin accent just evolved from the German. Because the German guy came over here a long time ago. He came over to Wisconsin a long time ago. He's like, Your mention skin gets hammered auf mit alle deine Klatsch und so weiter. It's cold up here. <laughs> I'm freezing my Wiener schnitzel. Yeah, yeah. 
So he learns English, and he has a child, and he raises a child, and he teaches him to talk, and the guy goes out there walleye fishing for the love of Mike, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's the evolution of our accent. You've made it to the end of another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.